Bitcoin is beautifully simple from a mind virus perspective. There are only 21 million. What you own, you own. It's yours. You're in control. It puts the burden and the responsibility back on the individual, and therefore the opportunity rests on the individual. And so Bitcoin is money for people who are ready to take responsibility for their lives. Hello there, and welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini. And today we have part two of my three-part series, A Beginner's Guide to Bitcoin. And next up, we're going to be covering what Bitcoin is. Now, after such a great start with American HODL, we asked Harry Southwick to come on the show and get into some of the key features of Bitcoin, including proof of work, decentralization, auditability, and its monetary policy. So I hope you enjoy this one. And before we get into the interview, I do want to give a quick shout out to my sponsors, Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying and selling Bitcoin, Iris Energy, Bitcoin mining done right, Ledin, financial services for Bitcoiners, BitCasino, the best online casino for Bitcoiners, Ledger, the very best Bitcoin hardware wallet, and Wasabi, a Bitcoin wallet with privacy at its core. What is Bitcoin? I think Bitcoin's a lot of things to a lot of people, but the common denominator is that Bitcoin's just better money. What makes Bitcoin better money? Bitcoin is better money because it's available to everyone on a fair and equal basis. You don't need to rely on any counterparty, any trusted third party. It's money for literally everyone. What is the Bitcoin ledger? The Bitcoin ledger is just the entire history of all the transactions that have ever been processed uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain. It's like if you were to open up, you know, the books and records of all of the people who've ever used this thing, it's the database that stores all of those accounting entries. What is the blockchain? A blockchain is just one type of database. It's a database that prioritizes security and, uh, the quality of the entries rather than the speed of the database or the amount of uh, entries that you can put into it at any one time. It, it's a database that makes different trade-offs. What is the problem that Bitcoin needed to solve? Bitcoin needed to solve several problems. Um, the most important is that trusted third parties govern the world around us, and Bitcoin is the most credible attempt to remove those trusted third parties. They insert themselves in the form of inflation. They insert themselves in the form of asset forfeiture and seizure. They insert themselves in the form of capital controls uh, as a means to control a population. And until you remove the trusted third parties from money, you can never truly be free. So once you take this baseline fact to be true, which is that the trusted third parties need to be removed, the question is how? And what Bitcoin did is it put together the Lego blocks of trusted third party removal through a process called decentralization in order to allow the money to transact um, freely and independently. And so what that decentralization means is that there are hundreds of thousands of nodes all over the world now that are checking the validity of every single transaction. There are hundreds, if not thousands of miners contributing hash power to process the transactions. And there are millions and millions of users who view Bitcoin as a savings tool, as a new technology to change their financial future. And so because we've distributed this tool across these different levers into hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, and millions of hands, 
the ability to continue to have a system that no longer and never will rely on a trusted third party is secure. Why is decentralization so important? Decentralization is so important because it is the whole reason the system works. If I had to describe Bitcoin as as doing one single thing, uh, it mean it's the certainty that the Bitcoin I own is mine, so long as I use the software as intended. And so that means that over 10 or 50 or 100 years, the Bitcoin I have is under my control no matter what. And that means that there's no counterparty who's moving a balance. There's no counterparty who's uh, in charge of of the supply. Um, and because there's no third party involved in those steps and processes, we take on a, a wisdom of the crowd or a wisdom of the masses to replace that third party. And so the system is able to function in, in this uh, disintermediated way. And the only thing that replaces an intermediary is a decentralized mass. Where did Bitcoin come from? There's a long history in America and frankly elsewhere of people trying to make non-government money, non-fiat issued, non-centrally issued. And one of those movements really dovetails with uh, the cypherpunk movement where you see the early Bitcoin contributors. If you go to the if you go to the Bitcoin white paper, all those citations, those are cypherpunks. So we've seen that uh, privacy on the internet and and freedom on the internet and money on the internet are two ideas that are really closely related. And so if you look to, you know, Adam Back and his invention of of, you know, proof of work and hash cash, if you look to Wei Dai and you look to e-gold and these different kinds of historical projects, you know, these were attempts at putting together the pieces that govern money on the internet on a decentralized basis. But all of those projects failed because they failed to achieve adequate decentralization. It was really Satoshi who first came up with the way to assemble those pieces of the puzzle in an adequately decentralized way. This means that it was future-proofed against central points of failure, future-proofed against governments and against companies trying to come in and debase this idea that is really centered around proof of work centered around 21 million hard cap centered around the individual owning the asset on a on a totally unassailable basis what are the four pillars of bitcoin that make it work so these are you know these are what i think the four pillars of bitcoin are i'm sure there there are people who will argue with me but um when i think about what are the foundational shelling points of the bitcoin software that if they changed Bitcoin would cease to be Bitcoin. And for me, it's uh, the 21 million supply hard cap. It's proof of work plus the difficulty adjustment. It's full backwards compatible, you know, auditability. And from a design perspective, it's prioritizing decentralization um, over other design constraints. And so the reason that that fourth one is subtle and important is that, you know, there are other projects that check the first three boxes within, you know, Bitcoin's history of forks, but none of them have chosen the fourth path, which is getting full nodes into as many people's hands as possible is the foundational priority because without that, that auditability layer, we're just, we're just trading tokens. What is the Bitcoin monetary policy? 
The Bitcoin monetary policy is dead simple and was set from day one. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin in existence and the, and the issuance schedule has been set the entire time. It has been proven with each of the last halvings. What is a halving? So a halving means that every four years, the amount of Bitcoin issued or minted per block gets cut in half. Why is the 21 million hard cap so important? Because Bitcoin foundationally provides certainty. And so when I send one Bitcoin to Pete, he knows that he now has it and there is no other authority within the system who can spend that Bitcoin. The same way that he knows that that one Bitcoin is one out of 21 million that will ever exist. And so the ability to have certainty in the system without trusting anyone else is the value proposition of a hard cap supply money. How many Bitcoin have been issued so far? So far, there've been about 91.5% of the total Bitcoin that will ever exist issued. So somewhere above 19 million. And when will the last Bitcoin be issued? So the date exactly is not certain, but the last Bitcoin will be issued approximately in the year 2140. Every halving, you get half as much. And so over 12, 16, 20, 24 years, the amount that gets issued per block becomes exponentially smaller, or I guess logarithmically smaller for the math nerds, um, each time. And so we're going to trend asymptotically to zero and then hit zero in 2140. What is auditability and why is that important? You know, if you if you ask a different Bitcoiner, it's it's one of their favorites. So Pierre Richard is a is a hardcore auditability guy. And so what what he taught me many years ago is that, you know, Bitcoin node software has the ability to check how many Bitcoin have been issued total and the process of downloading the historical software and running your own Bitcoin node is in and of itself an auditing process. Because the way that Bitcoin's cryptography works is that the, you know, the, the, the cryptography of the first block informs the second block and the cryptography of the second block informs the third block. And so therefore, if you were to change anything in the entire history of every single transaction that has ever happened on the Bitcoin blockchain, you would ruin the ability to run your own current node. And that's why having hundreds of thousands of nodes all over the world running the same software, validating all the transactions is required is because if any node tried to steal a million Bitcoin for themselves, it would completely change what happens on the software and they would be out of sync. They would be out of compatibility and they would lose the ability to spend those Bitcoin because every other node would reject them. And so there's this universe of audits that are constantly happening, making sure that every transaction is valid, every transaction is truthful, and that the process by which I am able to use my Bitcoin's purchasing power is mine and mine alone ad infinitum. Are Bitcoin transactions private? No. Bitcoin transactions are are not private. They're published to the blockchain, which is literally a huge public database. There are ways to engage in transacting privately, but the actual movement of the Bitcoin on the ledger is public. What is proof of work? So you may have heard something called mining or Bitcoin mining. 
proof of work is the computing process that Bitcoin miners engage in to number one, make Bitcoin you know useful by adding new blocks of transactions to the blockchain, but it's also the way that they generate revenue because they get paid for their work in order to do this. And so what proof of work does or is, is it's the replacement for banks. It replaces, you know, the bank teller inputting your check and and moving a number in their database. What proof of work does is it creates a fair and open process by which there's an a, becomes a free market for Bitcoin transactions to be added to the blockchain. Um, and so proof of work is uh, one of the sort of necessary components to keeping Bitcoin decentralized. What are miners doing during this process? There's a process by which miners are looking to find a an approvable block. And so the, the metaphor that I use most often for this um, is actually a puzzle. And so what miners are doing is they're taking a 10,000 piece jigsaw jigsaw puzzle and they're putting it together as fast as they possibly can um and if anybody's done you know a big jigsaw puzzle it it takes bloody forever um but once you finish it everybody who looks at that puzzle knows if it's done or not and so what the miners do is they assemble this massively difficult you know twenty thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and then they hold up the puzzle in front of all the different nodes and the nodes are able to do the very easy task of deciding if the puzzle is complete or not. Um, and so it's very easy for nodes to check. It's very hard for miners to finish the puzzle and therefore the, the security, um, and the, the, uh, the unhackability of Bitcoin is extremely, extremely secure just based on the way that this process functions. Why is so much computational power required for the Bitcoin network? The short answer is that there's not that much com computational power needed for the Bitcoin network. You could run the whole Bitcoin network with one computer. But what's happened in the free market around Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is an enormously valuable thing, um, both one individually and whatever, 23, whatever thousand dollars, and, and also in aggregate, right? The economic power of Bitcoin, the system is also enormous. And so because the market has told the world that Bitcoin is enormously valuable, there's a huge competition for miners to go get the Bitcoin available to them in exchange for providing their computing power. Does Bitcoin mining have a negative impact on the environment? Absolutely not. Bitcoin mining is one of the most powerful new economic signals that's being shown to power markets globally. And the implications of this are, number one, enormous rises in electric system efficiency. Number two, enormous expansion in the lowest cost form of electric generation, which we know that the marginal cost for wind, solar, nuclear, and hydro are all the lowest on a single kilowatt hour basis and the existing assets and infrastructure get to be utilized in an enormously more beneficial way, the downstream implications of which are hugely positive some for humanity, both environmentally and at a business level. What is the difficulty adjustment? So the difficulty adjustment is my favorite part of Bitcoin. It's the part of the system by which proof of work is, uh, is governed. So, it, you know, if you're you're a, you're a car guy, 
if you've ever tried to drive like 150 miles an hour in a car that just came off the factory lot, there's a governor on the engine. And so what proof of work is, is it's the natural governor for Bitcoin's supply schedule. And so the reason that you can't issue Bitcoin ahead of schedule is because every two weeks or 2016 blocks, the Bitcoin system recalibrates around how much computing power is on the network over that previous period of time. And so this is this incredibly powerful concept that sounds simple, but it makes Bitcoin's monetary policy self-referential. Bitcoin doesn't have an Oracle problem the same way that, that lots of these other, you know, crypto technologies do because there's nothing for its Oracle to reference. It's self-referential. And so therefore there's no need for a trusted third party along another vector, right? You don't need, you don't need market data. You don't need third party information. Bitcoin is, and that is enough. Harry, Bitcoin sounds really complicated and I'm new to this. What do I really need to know? Yeah. So this is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is beautifully simple from a mind virus perspective. There are only 21 million. What you own, you own. It's yours. You're in control. It puts the, it puts the, the burden and the responsibility back on the individual. And therefore the opportunity rests on the individual. And so Bitcoin is money for people who are ready to take responsibility for their lives. Do I need to care about all these technologies and these inventions in the background that have made it work? I think that people who find Bitcoin most of the time are pretty curious people. And so they may find an interest in some of these topics, but it's not necessary at all. Bitcoin's been working flawlessly for 14 plus years at this point. It's going to continue working. There are thousands of cryptocurrencies. Why are you so confident Bitcoin is the one that will win out? Over a very long period of human history, 10,000 plus years, this idea of monetary premium, of money, has accrued to one single winner. It's been the US dollar for the past you know, 60, 70 years, depending on who you ask. It's been other currencies before that. It's been gold. It's been Roman sesterce. It's been, you know, yap stones. It's been shells. But what's been true in all of those economies is that there's been just one winner because money is half of every single transaction. You want one that everybody uses in order to satisfy store of value, medium of exchange, and most importantly for this answer is unit of account. We all want to use the same yardstick. Why do people say Bitcoin is freedom when Bitcoin is just money? Because money is freedom. The ability to engage in your own life on your own terms with the tools of your own choosing is freedom. And if you cannot sustain your, your you know, your Maslow's hierarchy of need, you know, how do you get food, water, shelter? You pay for it. You pay for it with labor and you pay for it with money. And if you can't control your ability to sustain yourself, you are not free. The misconception we have is that, is that money is actually freedom and Bitcoin is money and money is freedom. And the money we have today doesn't make us free. And there's a lot of ways to kind of talk about this, but one of them is that, you know, your money today isn't really money. It's not a bearer instrument. It's a claim. And so there's somebody else who, who wrote you that IOU. You may never have met them, but your bank facilitated them finding their way into your wallet. Uh, and if they don't hit their IOU, that's not money. 
They have the ability to freeze your accounts. They have the ability to steal your identity and therefore steal your credit card. You know, these are these are all mechanisms by which that our current stack of monetary technologies don't make you free at all. And and that's just in the US. You know, we we get the benefit of only having, you know, five to ten percent inflation. You know, God forbid we lived somewhere else that, you know, just hit ninety-nine and a half percent inflation. So this idea that we are not all victims of rampant monetary theft all over the world in different ways every single day, you know, just means that that our, you know, our frog got boiled too slowly. And so what Bitcoin does is it removes counterparty risk. The the difference between, you know, 99.9% sure that I have my money and 100% sure is infinity. I'm infinitely more sure than you 99.9%er. And so I've chosen Bitcoin because I care about that last piece of certainty that makes my assets unimpeachably mine. What is the most important lesson that you've learned in your time since being a Bitcoiner? Proof of work is so much more than something that matters to the Bitcoin blockchain. Proof of work is the most transcendent metaphor for the way to engage in your life. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first discovered Bitcoin? Time is too short to be scared. It's an opportunity to be bold. It's an opportunity to be decisive. It's an opportunity to stretch yourself and to learn on such an accelerated time scale. You know, there's there's a, a joke sort of amongst the Bitcoin community that that you know time in Bitcoin moves at a at some multiple of normal time, uh, and that's because the world is changing very very rapidly as it relates to Bitcoin. So, have a really deep sense of urgency. Uh, and once you get curious and interested, just keep going. There's more un, you know, under there than you think there is. And if someone's feeling a bit overwhelmed right now, what would you say to them? Take your time. It's okay. It's complicated. A lot of these ideas might feel new. The economics might feel new. The technology might feel new. The history might feel new. But the good news is, is that Bitcoin's not going anywhere and it will be available to you by the time you've, you've had the opportunity to di digest this information more deeply. Do you have any parting statements for anyone who's been watching this? Yeah, I think that we've fallen into the trap um, really broadly that, that pessimism it makes you look smart. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, being kind of doomerish makes them look intelligent. Um, and I think that's terrible and, and, and not the way to live for yourself. I think that that radical optimism is actually the path to maximal prosperity. And I think that the optimists are the ones who get paid. Okay, what did you think of that? Did you enjoy that? Now listen, if you are new to my show, if one of your friends has sent you this intro to Bitcoin, then please do go back and check out the other shows. I've made over 600 shows covering Bitcoin and subjects, so other subjects that Bitcoiners enjoy. And if you enjoyed Harry Sadek, definitely go back and check out some of my other interviews with him. Next up in the series, we have Dan Held. We're going to be covering how to Bitcoin. So how to buy it, sell it, etc. how to store it. So you're definitely not going to want to miss that. And if you've got any questions about this or anything else, please do drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com or go and join my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash whatbitcoindid. 